Many of you were involved uh, back in Vacation Bible School last summer. Every year we have a great time with our kiddos as we gather here in the the auditorium for the opening worship time. It's just a a wonderful, great... awesome experience to hear those kids praising the Lord, and we we, uh, use a lot of different activities and and methodologies to help them to do that. Uh, One is to teach them a motto and a scripture for the week. We have a theme scripture and a theme motto for every Vacation Bible School week, and we did that uh, this year. Uh, Joshua does a great job as he leads the kids uh, in those, and one of the ways that he he helps them to learn their verse during the week is he has a little competition. He'll divide the room in half and have one uh, part of the room say that verse from from memory, then have the other part say it from memory, and then he'll go back and see who can do it the loudest. And you know how kids like to be loud, so they get into that and really enjoy. This year he added a little item of technology, a, a decibel meter, and they, so he could tell which uh, a group of children was, was saying it the, the loudest and the biggest voice. Uh, the, the measurement, as I recall, uh, for the loudest group was 152 decibels which is basically the equivalent of an air horn on an 18-wheeler. <laughs> Measurement's important. We use measurement in a lot of things in life. We, we measure uh, how much uh, we need of ingredients to make a cake. We measure uh, how big of an air filter we need to install in our car. We measure how much gas we need to put in the tank. But how much is enough faith? Jesus described the power of faith even of the size of a mustard seed in a teaching he gives in Matthew chapter 17. But what could Jesus do with more? The miracle described here in Mark chapter 7 beginning in verse 24 gives us a a window, an opportunity to learn about what great faith can do. We're going to start in verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. In Matthew's account of this same experience, the gospel records these words of Christ in verse 28, Matthew chapter 15. Jesus answered, woman, you have great Faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This morning, we're going to look at two ingredients of great faith. First of all, you need to know who to ask. In this account, Jesus leaves the area of Galilee where many of these miracles we've been looking at over the past several weeks occurred. And he travels to the vicinity of a city named Tyre. It was a town located on the northern coast of the Mediterranean. It was primarily occupied by Gentiles. So this illustrates just how far the accounts of what Jesus was doing had traveled. Word of his miracles had spread even to this northern region. Jesus went there to get away from the crowds, but as soon as he was in the region, this woman heard 
and she seeks him out. Her background is an important part of the story. She's described as a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. Now that means she probably spoke the, the language of the Syrians. Ethnically, she was from a northern region that was known as Phoenicia. And, and likely, as she's identified as a Greek here, she probably uh, worshipped in the religions of, of the Greeks. In all likelihood, from some other clues we learned from the account, she probably was fairly affluent, fairly well off. But none of that mattered. We're not told how she heard about Jesus, but what she heard had a tremendous impact on her life. No one had been able to help her child. Her child's been possessed by an evil spirit. We can only imagine how devastating that was for her to watch that little girl struggle so mightily in that horrible, horrible situation. There is perhaps nothing so challenging as a parent than to watch your child suffer and not be able to help them. And she tried. She sought out every possible way that could, could perhaps help her daughter. But nothing worked. But then she heard about Jesus. And she was willing to throw all social customs aside, all religious customs aside. If Jesus could help her daughter, she was willing to take any consequences that it might mean for her to go to Jesus. That's the thing about faith. The effectiveness of your faith foremost depends upon the object of your faith. This woman no doubt had tried everything she could to help her daughter. She'd gone to physicians. She'd gone to soothsayers. She'd probably tried to go to some of the Greek gods and goddesses to their temples to see if that would do any good. Nothing helped. But then she heard these accounts of someone who did amazing things. Someone who brought the dead back to life. Someone who had cast out demons. It's possible she had heard the story that we looked at a few weeks ago. The story of the Gadarean demoniac where Jesus had cast a legion of demons out of a man. And she thought, oh, if he could do that, he can help my daughter. And so she was willing to, to risk everything to go see Jesus. Because she knew that Jesus and Jesus alone had what she needed. That woman's faith was effective, first of all, because she knew where to go. She knew who to ask. She knew to go to Jesus. There are several different services that have developed through the years to help you find something to fix that leaky toilet. There's Better Business Bureau, there's Angie's List, there's Yelp, there's all kinds of other internet services, all designed to help you find someone who's reputable, somebody that, that a lot of other people have, have used their services and, and it worked out for them. Now those kinds of, of information services are important to us because most of us at one time or another, we've hired somebody that didn't quite get the job done right. They took our money, they left, and the toilet still leaked. So the next time, we want to make sure, before we put our money down, we want to know that this person can actually do what they say they can do. Well, this woman in Mark chapter 7 had been disappointed time and time again. 
She'd been down these roads of desperation, seeking somebody who could help her daughter, and she'd come up empty-handed over and over again. But Jesus was different. Jesus had proven that He could do what she needed. He had cast out demons. He'd shown His power. The most important ingredient of great faith is to be sure you place your faith in the right thing. Even the strongest faith in the wrong thing won't work. This woman found the answer. This woman found Jesus. And when she did, she exhibits another important ingredient of great faith. She she knew what to ask. Knowing someone with great power is not enough. I know Bill Gates has a lot of money. But I didn't call him when my car needed repairs. Knowing who to ask is essential, but knowing what to ask is also important. That's where this story gets interesting. It's a passage that on its surface, it's very difficult to understand what's happening. Why Jesus says what he says and why this woman responds the way that she responds. This woman comes to Jesus. She's desperate to find healing for her little daughter. She falls at Jesus' feet. This rich, well-dressed, well-respected woman, she begs, she begs Jesus to help her daughter. And how does Jesus respond? He responds with with what almost sounds like a brush-off. There in verse 27, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Wait a minute. The compassionate, loving Savior, he seems almost to refuse her request and then go one step further. It almost seems like he's comparing her to a dog. What's going on here? Well, scholars have picked this part of this account. Uh, They have looked at it from all kinds of angles. There are those scholars that think that Jesus is making a reference to Jews and Gentiles. That he's indicating that his message was first to the Jews and and then to the Gentiles. A difficulty with that interpretation is that Jesus had already received and taught people from the very area where this lady is from. From the area of Tyre and Sidon back in Mark chapter 3. And then there's also the account of the Roman centurion whose servant Jesus heals in Mark chapter 8. Certainly, Jesus is not refusing his message or even his power to this woman just because she happened to be born in the wrong family. There are other scholars that have suggested that Jesus wasn't referring to the difference between Jews and Gentiles at all, but rather he was referring to a common practice. You've probably seen this yourself somewhere along the way. The families gathered around the dinner table. Everybody's starting to eat, and here comes Fido into the room and sits down, just looking at everybody. And sooner or later, one of the kids will sneak off a little piece from their plate and hold it under the table so that Fido can have a snack. Well, that isn't anything new. That was happening back in the New Testament days, too. And Jesus may have just been referring to that. Either way, Jesus' words accomplish exactly what he intends them to accomplish, as they always do. This woman's faith is put on display for everyone to see. She would not take no for an answer. Like the woman in Jesus' parable who repeatedly calls upon the judge until the judge gives her 
what she's asking for in Luke chapter 18. This woman knew that Jesus and only Jesus had what she so desperately needed and she would not let go. So she replies to the Savior there in verse 28. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't take offense. Her answer shows the depth of her humility before the Lord. This wasn't about her saving face. This wasn't about her getting her way. She simply was desperate for what only Jesus could do. And Jesus wanted her and us to understand that's part of what great faith is. Great faith depends on the answer to this question. How much do you really need? Jesus. When I was in seventh grade, I went out for track. The first day of tryouts, our seventh grade coach told us to run eight laps around the track. No pep talk, no explanation of the history of track and field or nothing. He just said, okay, guys, got then run eight laps. Now, for those of you who are counting, that's about two miles. <laughs> On the first day, we'd barely just suited out. <laughs> so we started to run. And about five minutes after that, he called everybody into the center of the track. Now, I thought that was a test because nobody had finished eight laps in five minutes. I, I wasn't close. I didn't exactly know how many laps I'd run. I lost count after two, but I knew I wasn't anywhere close to eight. So I thought, oh, he, he's testing to see who will actually Follow through. Who will actually finish the race. Who will actually be the one who will stay out there. So when everybody else went to the center of the track, when the coach called them, I kept running. <laughs> I was going to prove I can do it, coach. I can finish the race. Now, if I had said that out loud, I would have realized something. The test wasn't to see if we'd run the eight laps. The test was to see who'd follow the coach's instructions. And that lone seventh grader out there running around the track <laughs> missed that boat. That was the week I decided I needed to go out for golf. <laughs> this woman, desperate for help that only Jesus could give, was willing to humble herself, was willing to fall at Jesus' feet, was willing to beg for the help that only He could give, placing herself completely under the Lordship of Jesus. That's why Jesus said of her in the account of the event recorded in Matthew, Woman, you have great faith. This morning, do you have great faith? Do you want to have great faith? You can. You can start by following these two simple principles taught in this passage. Know who it is you need to ask and then know what it is you need to ask. Folks, Jesus is the only one that has what you really need. You look anywhere else and you're going to be ultimately disappointed. Are you willing to accept His answer? Are you willing to listen to the command of the Lord and say, okay, Lord, that's what I'll do. That's great faith. 
great faith on this day, took a girl that nobody could help and made her whole again through the power of Jesus. That great faith would, would take 12 men who, who, if you went through their resumes, you wouldn't be very impressed. They, they didn't really have very good skills. They weren't really all that well respected. They weren't great communicators by any stretch of the imagination, but it would take those 12 men and through great faith in Christ, they would literally transform the world through the message of Jesus. That's great faith. Great faith could take a man who dedicated his life to destroying every Christian he could find and transformed him into a man who sought to bring every person that he could find to faith in Christ. That's what great faith can do. What could great faith do in your life? Great faith could transform that workplace that you think is so far out of whack that there's so many people who are just completely ignorant of the Lord and their life shows it and you think there's nothing that could ever change it. Oh, wait a minute. Great faith in Christ can change that. Great faith in Christ can take a message into your neighborhood, to those neighbors that sometimes rub you the wrong way or sometimes you can't figure out what to do. It, it can take that message and make your house a lighthouse for Jesus to transform a neighborhood for the Lord. That's what great faith can do. Great faith can transform a city like Springfield, a state like Missouri, a nation like the United States, so wonderful and free, and we thank the Lord for that. We praise the Lord for our veterans, for all that you have done to give us the opportunities and freedoms that we have. We thank God for our nation, for the extraordinary freedoms that we enjoy, and we know that those freedoms were brought by a great price. And so this weekend we rightfully pay tribute to the veterans and service people who have been so gracious in giving and sacrificing to make sure that happens. We know that, but we also recognize our nation has some deep, deep-rooted problems. That all around us, Satan is running rampant. And, and, and sometimes we, we see that and we think, what could ever change that? Great faith. Great faith. Great faith in the right thing. Great faith in Jesus. And great faith that knows, Lord, what our nation needs is you. Great faith can transform a, 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 a little village in the middle of a nation where it's illegal to worship Christ. Now, how in the world are you going to do that? How in the world are you going to be able to share the gospel in, in, in a city where it's not even legal to talk about Jesus? Oh, wait a minute. Take a look in China. Take a look in Muslim nations. Take a look in areas of our world where it literally is illegal to do what we're doing today, to gather together and serve the Lord. And it is in those places that Christianity is multiplying. How? How can that be happening? Great faith. Great faith in the right one, in Jesus. 
In great faith in the thing that I ask, Lord, I know what my nation needs. I know what my city needs. I know what my village needs. I know what my town needs. I know what my neighborhood needs. I know what my family needs. What they need more than anything is they need you, Lord. That's great faith. What could Jesus do through great faith in your life today? Heavenly Father, this morning we pray for great faith. That you would help us, first of all, to focus on you, to recognize there is no other answer save in the Savior of the world. Help us realize that, Lord. And God, help us to have the kind of faith that's willing to say, okay, whatever it takes, I'm going to serve Jesus. Because, God, that kind of faith changed the life of a little girl here in Mark chapter 7. It it, it transforms individuals. It transforms cities. It transforms nations. So, God, we pray this morning for great faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.